yeah, having my head shoved into the uh, steps of the Ulster Bank in Ranelagh, cold butt of a gun put into the back of your skull. That's a moment where you go, okay, yeah, I think this one's up. How does a high-flying academic become one of Ireland's most prolific bank robbers? What I would see is the most important part of this still lies open. I'm not here to hurt you. A brand new series from the award-winning team behind the Indo Daily. That November day, that's where it all, all begins. Out now, wherever you get your podcasts. On this week's Big Tech Show, you might not think it could happen to you, but our guest this week explains how a significant number of Irish people may be falling victim to romance frauds online. Victims can feel a misplaced sense of shame. People can blame themselves. They feel embarrassed. And so they don't want to tell family, friends. They don't want to report it to the police. In some cases, of course, the victims are already in relationships. They're married. They have an extra reason to keep that quiet. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. Platforms. If they were O'Driscoll, Morgan, extra man, it's Fitzgerald, oh Fitzgerald is coming back inside! Leicester have another! Darcy O'Driscoll oh. through the legs, Rob Carney, out to Fitzgerald again, stamp and score! The Autumn Series is upon us and we will hopefully have full crowds back at the Aviva Stadium very, very soon, starting maybe this weekend with the game against Japan. And if not, certainly the visit of the All Blacks the following week will have the Raptors packed and then Argentina to finish it all off. Luke, are you excited? Yeah, buzzing for a will. Really exciting window. Um, you know, I think Ireland looked like, uh, you know, they obviously finished Six Nations very well. Um, but I think there's massive potential um, and a good kind of, I think I, I like our kind of age profile, particularly in our pack. I know there's some elder statesmen in a couple of key positions. You're thinking Murray and Sexton, but I just think there's so just oodles of potential. I think, you know, Paul O'Connell, another, you know, another little bit of time in that coaching ticket. What kind of influence can he have the longer he's in there? I think he's a super addition. And yeah, I mean, Andy Farrell, you know, a bit more time in the pocket for him. Uh, it's been a pretty stop star for him with, with COVID for him. So more time with the team. You know, I wonder, yes, they'd, they'd probably be a little bit undercooked in terms of rugby played. Um, and no European rugby at this stage. But, um, you know, what can he do with this team? Where where are they going? Um, and I'm really excited to see that. Yeah. 15 years on since your debut in the autumn of 2006. Long time ago now. Jesus, is it? Yeah, good man, Will. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is. It's a long time ago, certainly. Um, yeah, geez, that's a long time. Yeah, November, I think, played the Pacific Islands. They they kind of teamed up for a little period when they were struggling, maybe financially. So, um, yeah, that was a, that was a, a good day. Your first cap's always your your most exciting one, I think. Um, yeah, big day for for everyone involved. A lot of lot, it takes a lot of work to get there, but uh, feel very lucky to you know at the same time to have experienced it. So. That's a long time. With 15 years, where did it go? Yeah, was there any? I'm trying to think who would the Pacific Islands was. Was Sivivatu in the mix? Maybe Tui Lagi, no, no, no it's, uh, it was too laggy. I remember I was, uh, yeah, I, me- I remember he made a break. I remember I had to move into full back at one stage. I'm going to say maybe to Kervin Dempsey go off injured, or maybe Jordy Murphy. Someone went off injured, and I had to go in full back, uh, from left wing. And, uh, I remember he made a break on the 22. I'll never forget, like, just because I, I, I played a few. I, few games for Leinster, but like never seen anything like him. But having a 50 meter run up, that was unpleasant. <laughs> Did you make the tackle? Um, 
yeah so that was that was definitely a learning experience um and it was almost like an outer body experience i remember catching a, one, a ball off a kickoff and i think i kicked it out it was an absolutely wonky one standard for me uh, willis as you but um yeah i just remember it's almost like an outer body experience in front of fifty thousand people for the first time in, in lansdowne road uh really hard to explain to people what it's like playing um in front of a massive crowd um and doing like even normal things. The first time you do it, like doing things that you practice. Like how many times have you kicked a rugby ball? You've been kicking a rugby ball nearly every day, probably since you're five years old, six, seven years old, whatever it is. Um, and it felt like it was, I, you know, your brain's kind of short circuiting <laughs> trying to do this basic thing. So yeah, it's a, it was a great experience. I, I really wish people who love sports were able to do it at the top level just once, just experience like 10 minutes of it, how frantic it is. You know all the excitements, all the nerves, and all that. It's 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 a it's a really great thing to have experienced in your life, particularly if you're a, you know a lover of sports. Yeah, it's funny for a few of the Irish lads like Hugo Keane, who's played a good few times. Then maybe you know ten or so caps has never played in front of crowds either. So there's a couple of guys who when they run out maybe yeah, this weekend. All of that, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's crazy. Isn't few it? lads yeah. when they run out this weekend, be their first Ireland game with with fans there. Yeah, well, hopefully they now. I know there's kind of a few issues around ticketing. Um, they did look fairly pricey, although I'm assuming they're hoping that that's you know there's going to be a lot of pent up demand there, um, that they'll be able to to capture a lot of people with stimulus checks, maybe spend a few, spend a few euros if they've any any of it left on maybe watching an Ireland game. But um, yeah, I, I I feel like they might have they might have missed the boat and maybe priced it too high. So hopefully we 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 see a full crowd. I'd love to see a, a packed Aviva Stadium. Yeah, no, hopefully it starts this weekend and we're delighted to be joined for our autumn preview by Rory O'Connor. Rory, how are things? Good, thanks, Will. How are you? Very interesting autumn series now to look forward to, Rory. But before we get into maybe the you know nitty-gritty of this weekend and some of the interesting games, firstly, you had a good piece over the weekend kind of taking stock two years out from the World Cup and two years since the last one, kind of a helicopter view of Andy Farrell's reign thus far, the, the successes, some of the areas of improvement. Yeah, maybe a good jumping off point as we look ahead to November. You know, from your perspective, when you were kind of looking back over the last two years, was there anything in particular of interest that jumped out to you in terms of something maybe you hadn't considered or or something that was really flashing when you went back and kind of looked at the totality of his tenure to, to, to date? It's the unusual nature of it, really, isn't it? I mean, you know, he took over after a World Cup that was hugely disappointing and he was part of that. And I do think that COVID, and I don't think he would use it as an excuse, but I do think it has to be taken into account as a factor that three games in, the world's stopped and he wasn't able to get his hands on his players and he wasn't able to go to, to Australia with the team. He wasn't able to go to Fiji with the team for the, the two tours that he was due to go on. And I think they are big developmental opportunities for any coach. I think, you know, Luke would know from the tours that he would have done, like that they're, they're, they're important moments in a World Cup cycle it's when you're going to get your the longest time with your team away from maybe the kind of the home bubble as 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 we know it and that that was robbed of him I think the progress has been slow though I think he's tried a lot of players but really he hasn't like of the new guard there's not a huge amount of him. Hugo Keenan maybe Caelan Doris injury injuries aside um other than those two really and, and Ronan Keller coming off the bench a lot of the younger guys that he's used since the World Cup have not really gotten a second chance or kind of got one cap and then been put back on the back burner or they've been brought off the bench once or twice. There's no... I don't think the squad has changed as quickly as I would have envisaged it changing after the World Cup when a lot of senior players, I think, had already you know, gone over the, the peak. And those players, a lot of them are still there. 
Um, the, mat- the, 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 the England match has washed over an awful lot of the deficiencies that I think were there before the England match and the sense that they finished that window on a real high with a really complete performance. Well, it wasn't a complete performance, a very good performance. Um, and I think this is a big window and a big year for him. I think like he's going to be there till the next World Cup. So I think any questions that were there about his job before that England game are gone. I think he'll be there till the World Cup. But I think we'll need to see more progression and maybe just a bit quicker bringing in some new blood and forming a team that can really go and compete at that World Cup in the next nine months, really, because he has this interesting year with the All Blacks coming next week, then a Six Nations, then a three-test tour of of New Zealand at the end of it. I think it's a really important nine-month period in in his, uh, his coaching time to date. Yeah, look, and if you're kind of getting out like an A4 sheet and doing a plus-minus column for the last two years since that World Cup, which side of the page has more kind of <laughs> more notations on it? Good question, Will. Weird way of asking it, but um, it's... Uh, That's my specialty. <laughs> no, it is a good question. It's a bit of a brain teaser because um, I'd say looking pretty even at this point, um, I'm probably more leaning towards more uh, more negatives, really. Um I'm not sure that's all his fault, though. And I think that's probably maybe what uh, what Rhodes was alluding to as well. I mean, it's been fairly, you know, stop-start. He's a lot of key guys, some younger guys who've had lots of injuries. That hasn't helped things. And it's probably impacted continuity there. And maybe, you know, de- oh, well, I think definitely impacted some of those players coming through. Um, you know, he is a bit hamstrung in that a lot of his key guys are still, you know, that, that are in that older bracket that I think Rhodes is alluding to are still starting for the provinces. There's only really four slots that he can pick from regular starters. And that's a big problem for him. Um, and I don't think they're going to widen that, um, you know, that, that catchment uh, because they just can't afford it. They might, you know, COVID might force them if they can't, if they don't have full stadiums for Six Nations or something like that, they might have to have a rethink on whether they pick players from abroad. But at the moment, there's a very small place where, where he can pick from. And lots of guys you thought would have come into the squad, um, I think, you know, have been, you know, injury prone. That's been a big problem. Um, so I probably feel from a little bit on the selection side. Um, I would say that on the game plan side, I haven't seen a huge amount of progression. Like I think the real big progression for them in the Six Nations was actually Paul O'Connell's line out. If you're asking me, honestly, I thought that was a big difference maker for them. They looked really good on opposition ball. They were very disruptive there. They, they were good on their own ball. Um, I still think defensively ha- they have big problems. Uh, I thought that at the World Cup, uh, I was amazed he kind of got the job after some of those performances against, you know, particularly Japan and, and New Zealand. Um, you know, because I was kind of wondering, well, was that not his job? <laughs> and I thought that was the worst performing part of the team. So, um, yeah, I still have concerns around that area. I haven't seen a huge amount of, particularly the outside backs. Like probably Keith Earls, uh, you know, is the only guy who I think has been very, you know, pretty pretty solid defensively there in in the outside backs. That's a real problem for him. Um, because he has lots of exciting attack, attacking talent there, but not a huge amount of people who you can rely on if you're, you know, playing against a very, you know, a very attacking team. So that's my biggest area of concern. Will I haven't seen a massive amount of growth on either side of things, and I'm probably more leaning on the negative side. As I said, probably down to luck on the selection thing, though. Yeah, no, some interesting points both of you bring up there. And Rod, in terms of November, and it's interesting just looking back at a previous kind of November period two years out from a World Cup and, and from an Irish perspective they, they've often actually seemed to be quite influential going into the cycles like you go back to 09 heading to 2011 Johnny Sexton makes his debut a massively important 
point for Irish rugby. Four years on, Joe Schmidt takes up the reins after Declan Kidney goes. That All Blacks performance kickstarts the two-year period where they win two Six Nations. And then four years on from that, they beat South Africa very comprehensively. Some young players are blooded, like Stockdale and James Ryan, who play a big part in that 2018. So it's been quite transformative oftentimes, this little period. Do, do you envisage anything like that happening over the next month? That's a... I don't know. I mean, I like it's been it is it has been transformative. It hasn't worked at the World Cup in the end. So yeah. Um maybe maybe you don't want to be peaking, you know, the year out like we did four years ago with that magnificent twenty eighteen. But the yeah, the, the the building blocks for twenty eighteen were built in the summer and autumn of twenty seventeen when Dan Levy became part of this, you know, a key part of the setup and, and Ryan Stockdale and Porter were fast tracked from the twenty sixteen under 20s and, and Joe Schmidt's team blew that South Africa team away. Turned out actually it was better for South Africa's World Cup than it was for Ireland's because that was the night that Razzie decided he was going home. Um, that, that He was there that night and, and he basically, you know, they, they, they engineered Alistair Coetzee's exit. But anyway, like I think the All Blacks, the four All Blacks games in the next nine months are, it's four of the next 12 games against the All Blacks. And I think the team's confidence going to that World Cup will, be, will hinge a lot on whether they are still competitive with New Zealand. Under Joe Schmidt, Ireland played the All Blacks five times. They beat them twice. They ran them close twice. And they were blown out of the water in the World Cup quarterfinal. But during that time, Ireland and the All Blacks felt like it was a fairly level playing field. From the day in 2013 when Luke's team ran them so, so close to Chicago, to the rematch a couple weeks later when, when they came out angry and he knew that they suddenly respected Ireland. When they came out trying to take off Robbie Henshaw's head and all of that that went on that day and got away with like at least two red cards, um, you knew that suddenly New Zealand respected Ireland. And then they went and beat them two years later. World Cup quarterfinal was it, the team it almost you know was no longer the team that it had been. I don't know if New Zealand are still looking at Ireland that way. I would suggest they probably are not. Um, and that's Ireland's mission. If Andy Farrell's team are going to perform at the next World Cup, you would think they're going to have to take the All Blacks scalp at least once in the next four games against them. This is their best chance because we've never won in New Zealand. And the only problem is they've had very limited pre- pre- preparation. I think a lot hinges on that game. I think two good performances against Japan and Argentina, but a hammering at the hands of the All Blacks, is going to feed into that sense that progress isn't being made because we got used to competing with the All Blacks during the Joe Smith era. And an old-fashioned you know, something like what happened to Wales. I don't think it'd be that bad, but it was, if, if that's the case, if, if they fall apart after 50 minutes or if, if they just run out of steam against them, it will feed into that sense that Ireland just aren't the elite team that they were for that period under Joe Schmidt. Yeah, Luke, so kind of going off Rudd's kind of assessment there, is a successful window the minimum being victories over Japan and Argentina with good performances and then a good performance against the All Blacks whereby Ireland are are within a puncher's chance of taking them down? Like, would would that be the minimum of a good window, or, or how do you look at it from what would constitute a success if when when we reconvene at the end? Uh, I've probably before the before we talked here, I probably had had changed my mind initially. I I had thought, and maybe I was basing this on the South Africa game. Um, you know, at the end of the rugby championship, um, I probably said that a successful window was Ireland winning all three. I probably I probably changed my opinion, thinking, what am I going to say when we're having this conversation? Um, because they look they look they look sharp. Now Wales were terrible. You know, you've got intercepts all over the place. You've got really, you know, 
some lovely looking tries, but some absolutely abysmal defence for international rugby players. I don't care who you are. It was embarrassing um, kind of uh, play. But they still were bloody good. And I kind of thought, hmm, like, where do we have an advantage there? Um, Probably hard enough to find. I think our pack, if it performs well in in the tight exchanges, actually is quite well suited to... So I, I'm, I'm focusing, so I'm, I'm thinking definitely two wins via Argentina and Japan, and I'm just going on to discuss New Zealand, just to <laughs> preface what I'm saying here. I feel like I might have jumped that in my head without explaining. Um, I, I think, you know, the New Zealand game is obviously the key one. I think, um, you know, as I, as I was going on to say, I think, or, you know, we match up quite well with them in the loose, which we don't often do. Uh, I think there's a very mobile pack there. Uh, I think it's physical if, if, if it's in the right mindset. Um, and I think that's a good place to, to start from. I think our two halfbacks will be fit. Um, both of them are kind of key to our game plan. Um, and I think we're actually well suited to giving them a good, a, a good holly if we can hold up defensively like we did against England. But I, I just don't know if, if that was kind of an anomaly or not. I mean, Scotland tore us apart on a couple of occasions, um, as did Wales for a few soft ones in last year's Six Nations. So I, I'm a little bit unconvinced on that part of it but I do think there's enough there to be competitive and if we play to our best abilities I think we have a good team there to to I think we could I think we could beat them I, I know that's yeah, weird but we're in our key yeah. positions we're very experienced and we look very good we look very good in the pack I think everyone has to play well but very good there I like yeah on New, on New Zealand would like What's your assessment of where they've been like you know I must say I, I'm a little surprised at just how much people are putting them back up on a pedestal as the best team given that under Foster so far I haven't been very convinced even though they beat Australia quite well in the rugby championship there was a lot of sloppy tries like Australia true I think a couple of intercept tries in a couple of those games the South African games were a kick of a ball between them like I don't think they're the team they were either like if, if we're saying no. that Ireland are the team they were I don't yeah, think I the All Blacks are either but I think if they're reverting to the mean and it's it's a higher level than than what Ireland have, you know, like they have just got the best collection of players in the world, apart from maybe South Africa, who have just in the crowd. Like I was watching the Premiership last weekend, and there was just like South African locks I'd never heard of making incredible performance, you know, doing incredible performances. Like the, the, anyway, that's a different matter. New Zealand have incredible depth. They have they play so fast, um, and they will always have incredible players to call upon. So I think when, even when they're in a, a lower cycle than they were, they're not the team that was that won two World Cups in a row, definitely not. But I don't think Ireland are the team that that, that they were. But I, I think the intercepts is really interesting. I think they have changed the way to defend. They're way more aggressive with their line speed. I think they're 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 coming up really really hard. And I suppose there's probably opportunity in that. You know, there's 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 ways of make turning that into a weakness for Johnny Sexton and Connor Murray. And I don't know who's going to be playing in the center. Like Robbie Henshaw is a massive lost Ireland. I mean, he's been Ireland's best player for the last year and, and it's, it doesn't sound like he's going to play. So um, I didn't think they were that impressive against Wales. I thought Wales, Wales. Are, are they bringing him into camp roads just on that? I, I kind of took that they, they might try and fast track him through the, the, the physios there, but they, like that. he's in there, he's in there, but I mean, I, yeah, I think it's unlikely at this stage that he's going to okay. play. In. Now he might be on the—I don't know if to put him on the bench, but he hasn't played any rugby since the Lions tour. So mm. I know he's—he's he's one of those players who comes back, who comes back well. But um, I'd be—I'd be—I'd be surprised. I don't know why he would do that. I—I I think if he hasn't played. I think you go with the guys that you have, and you go—you get yourself right for 
you know, Six Nations and stuff. But I don't know. It's obviously it depends. Why, on the I just that's kind of why I was wondering why they bring him in. Why wouldn't they just leave him with the prop? The, the provincial. I think there's some some Fair players enough, they yeah. just keep around the place. You know that they, 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 they want to have Club Ireland and he's you know that that he's key to what they're doing. But um, okay. maybe I'm wrong. Maybe 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 he's closer than I think he is. But he hasn't trained this week, so he's not. Um, yeah, you know, I think if he doesn't play, I think you got to play against Japan, especially if you haven't played in the U- at URC. You know, Conor Murray's only got twenty minutes at URC this season. But uh, look, I wasn't that impressed with New Zealand against Wales. Like Wales' lineout was awful. Their scrum wasn't great. They had a load of players like the URC. Like they'd only played URC, which I think is a concern for Ireland. But they're not even playing well in the URC. Um, like their back row was aggressive. Tame Basham and Aaron Wainwright were really good. Ireland will bring that. Ireland will bring that level of physicality and aggression against the All Blacks. They, their type five is far superior than that Wales type five. They'll have a you know like Gard Anscombe hadn't played much for for two years. You know Sexton's in really good form. Like I, I think Ireland will give him a game. I, I think that is the, the. I think you know I just don't I I I I don't believe Ireland are at the level now where they can they can go in expecting to beat New Zealand. I think if you could perform well on Saturday against Japan, a team who I think can't be dismissed lightly. And then beat Argentina well, but also stay in the game against the All Blacks and and give it a, you know and, and and cause them problems in attack. I mean, I watched the England game again. They still ran the ball into touch into touch twice off first phase. I mean, that stuff has to go. Their you know their defense. Like, I really interesting who he picks in the wings. We talked about the last time I was on. You know, I think if they pick James Lowe, they'll go after James Lowe in the way they went after Johnny McNichol last week. I think they. They're they're relentless and they're rootless the, the All Blacks and what they do. But yeah, you're right. They're not as good as they were, but they're still very very good. And they've they've a really powerful team. And they've they've been playing together an awful long time this summer. Like they've they've been in Brisbane and camp. Like it's got to be wearing on them this stage. But they've got a lot of like their their cohesion should be high. Their familiarity should be high. Ireland's players have had three two to three URC games and a hit out against Japan. So I think that's going to be a big factor as well. So there's a, there's a lot going on this autumn that, that you know that that. You know, you wouldn't get, say, at a World Cup where everyone's had the same level of preparation. Yeah, and they play Italy away this weekend as, as a kind of a, a tee-up before the Ireland game. And Luke, from, from the, the perspective of this weekend and against Japan, it's an interesting game. Obviously, we are kind of looking ahead to the New Zealand game. That is the marquee fixture for Ireland this November. But it, as Ford said, it would be foolish to take Jap- Japan too lightly given they beat Ireland at the World Cup. And even in the summer, I think it was eight points in it at the end. But Japan cut Ireland open. A lot of I know it was only... A, a second string, you know, squad in many ways with a lot of guys gone for the line store and some senior players arrested. But Japan caused Ireland serious issues in the summer. It'll be very interesting to see if Ireland do contain that attack because you know they they play some really good rugby. I think it's a good it, it, it's a good warm up for the New Zealand game in terms of the pace of play. Physicality would be nowhere near it. I mean, you saw how you know how weak their defence was at different times. Um, now they hadn't played in a very long period of time before they played Ireland in the summer as well. Even though we had a weakened squad, like they hadn't played in in a, in, in ages. So, um, you know, I'd say uh, they'll they'll improve on on a few aspects themselves. So, look, I think that'll actually be a good hit up, and I think uh, an important one for us because the URC is just not good enough uh, at this point in time. That competition might develop into something a bit better, but at this point. That is not good or effective preparation for November internationals. Um, and interesting here, Rudd saying that that might be a factor. It, it may well be. Uh, now, there's a few guys who played a bit of rugby, kind of key guys in our team who, obviously, Robbie Henshaw is likely missing. But there's a few guys there who I think the rest will be good for them. Um, and maybe they don't need minutes. You know, like, I think Murray probably doesn't need minutes to play well. I think Sexton doesn't need minutes to play well. Uh, I think people who've been on the Lions tour, your Burns, your Porters, these guys, oh, sorry, not Porters, but Burns and these guys, um, 
you know, I think uh, Bundy Keys, like I think that they're all guys who are experienced enough and I think the rest will have done them good and they'll have been playing against high-level competition and training and in matches. So I think they'll be, you know, in, in good stead for, for the big games. Um, but yeah, no, look, I think it's it, it's an interesting one. Like I think, yes, we are focusing on the New Zealand because I think we do expect to beat both of these teams, even though they're, they're, they're good challenges. I mean, Argentina away from home, I've never really given that, us that much of a... It's always a tricky fixture for them. For whatever reason, I never feel like they perform to their best in Dublin. Don't know why that is. Um, but New Zealand, you know, competitive at a minimum, I think, is is probably why we talk about it. And I think that's probably everyone's barometer. Like, if it's a close game, everyone will say, yeah, look, I think that's a success if they've won the other two as well. So that's probably why we're thinking that way, Will. You're right. Can't take them lightly because they can punish you. And, you know, the, interestingly enough, I think they give us trouble because defence hasn't been go- or, or, like a strong point for this team in a while. And Japan's attack is their strength and they can hang on to the ball for a large period. So, yeah, look, that is probably a good test for us, um, particularly given it's a weak point. So that's why we can't overlook it. Yeah. And as you said, like, like defensively during the summer, Japan caused Ireland huge problems and scored some really good tries as well. Uh, it was actually a really good game, to be fair. Rod, one interesting thing today, I think you were in on the press conference. I think it was your copy I was reading, actually. Uh, Johnny Sexton speaking today ahead of his 100, well, we presume his 100 cap uh, this weekend, his 100 Ireland cap against Japan, but also talking about his future and how he's saying after the Six Nations, he'll sit down and decide. I was just thinking of the situation whereby he plays like every international between now and then and then says, actually, I think I'll retire. And then we're Ireland are really left in the lurch with a very few uh, number of games. But like, you know, what, what, what was your read on how he was saying it? You know, I presume that it, he was just kind of saying he'll decide. But ultimately, I don't think we're expecting an early retirement, are we? No, no. He's, barring injury, he still seems as hungry and as driven as ever. And he's still the best out half in the country. And for all that we talked about it a couple weeks ago, and I, I would have alarm bells going off that Ireland could end up at the World Cup with their first choice out half at 38. Um, like, for him, it's that's not his problem. I mean, I know he's the captain of the team, but it, like he, he's putting himself out there. He's playing well. He's he's driving things on. It, it, it You know, if, if there will be a contract on the, on the table, you know, it, as long as he's fitting well and healthy, and he'll sign it, and he'll go into that final year ahead of the pack. It's up to Joey Carberry to, to, to knock him off his perch. It's up to Joey Garby to do what Johnny Sexton did to Ron Nogara in 2009. It's like, you know, whether that's standing over him after a Leinster-Munster game and, and screaming in his face or whether that's just, you know, like coming at him relentlessly hard during training and in every opportunity, you know, that's Joey Carby's mission now. And we haven't seen that from Joey Carby yet. And Johnny Sexton is still number one and... The, like the, for all that I I see the alarm bells about it, like they can't not give him the contract. Like he, he is still the number one, and he's still the captain, and um he still deserves to be picked to play for Ireland against the All Blacks and the Winners Under Cap this week against Japan. It was hmm. it was very surprising comment I think, given that you know if if I was looking at that I'd be kind of saying well if I was selecting the team I'd say well no we need to know now because we're not going to pick you if you're not staying on we can't I, I was amazed I, I when I saw the the, the headline today I, I was sorry he won't thank me for saying that but I think he was too honest <laughs> um, but, but I do think that's the way the RFU did the business with players over ter- over a certain age is that they kind of you they know they, you anyway yeah no they do they start giving you down to kind of one-year contracts and all yeah, that and yeah just, even if you're sexting because that's what that, I, I remember some, some, some of the stories from some of the older players coming in about how they even spoke to them like after unbelievable careers, still in great shape. Like they actually 
they do blow some people out that probably had an extra one or two years in there by just the just really you know arrogant and um really rude um on occasion to lots of older players i never got there myself so i never got to experience it i got to experience it in other ways <laughs> uh, but uh yeah I, I was just surprised at that you know i think um that's probably a guy who's holding all the cards at the moment but i, I don't know if i was um i, I just feel like that is is a is really weird kind of because i think that he's in brilliant shape every time i speak to him as you say i get the same impression Rudd. um you know i've met him randomly in a couple of occasions had a few good chats he seems in great form like and i think that's a kind of position that everyone is probably an obvious statement but like it's your brain that kind of is the most important tool in that position like as long as you can do a certain amount like you can never say ogara was you know physically imposing you like provided he was fit enough it was all about his brain and could like, you know, he, you know, your, your ability to kick a ball, you know, might reduce by five yards or whatever over a certain period of time. That doesn't really matter. He nearly got more accurate. Um, so I thought nearly he got better. Like I was actually surprised nearly when he finished up. I think he was just, he probably just had enough, but um, Sexton doesn't seem like he's in that, 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 that vein or that place yet. And I think he's, his brain power, like he's the kind of guy who, who doesn't have to play for 10 weeks and he'd still be the best player in the pitch going back. And I actually think he's playing brilliantly. Like if he's playing well, Ireland still play well. If he's not in the team or he's not playing well, it's a long day for Ireland. Like he's still the key guy. Um, so yeah, I think they probably want to try and get an answer out of him pretty quick. <laughs> I, I wouldn't yeah. play him for all for all the Six Nations game if he wasn't going to stay. Yeah, Ro, just out of interest, how was that broached? Did he bring it up organically? Or did someone specifically ask him, oh, when will you make a decision or when will a decision be made, if you recall? Uh, Snake Hassan asked him... Um about going on to the World Cup and, and that's the answer that he gave. So it was it was asked and he's kind of made a joke about it. she should be his agent. I think she you know he's been asked a few times about it. And I suppose it's a way of him trying to kick it on that, that we don't ask him every press conference as well. That you know that 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 he's comfortable. He said he did say that he's a good relationship with the RFU since he came home from Paris, which I think was fairly telling because obviously that relationship wasn't great before he went. But I think he gets on well with New Sephora. I think he's got a very good relationship with Andy Farrell I think there's an understanding there that if he wants to go on, there'll be a contract on the table for him. And I think there's a, there's a, I think there's an understanding from their side that he probably will want to go on. But at the same time, if he's as uh, does, I have a piece with him in tomorrow's paper with the from the embargo section, and like he, you know, the, the, he says something on the lines of on the long the, along the lines of, you know, the moment I don't I don't have that motivation is the moment I'll stop. And at the moment he has it, and I think he'll still have it after the Six Nations. And once you get through the Six Nations. The World Cup's in sight. It's only eighteen months. One more months. push, isn't it, Rods? It's one, one more. more now it might not work out for him because the, the last, you know, it can it can desert you quickly. And and I think there is some people I've spoken to who play that position would say that 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 so at, at a certain point your mind your your body stops doing what your mind is telling it to, and that you can't do it as quickly, and that you could you know you can keep doing your defensive stuff, but your attack stuff isn't as as strong. But the most recent evidence we have is 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 um. Well, his Leinster form was excellent. And also the Scotland game and England game. He scored more points in that England game than he has done in any other international in his career. So, I mean, that's that's pretty, uh, you know, just, pretty just stunning recent form. He, you just have a, he's just seen every picture, hasn't he? At this stage. Like, I yeah. feel like that's the thing, like, for, for out halves is like, he he can feel the pace, like feeling the pace of an international line coming at you, like defensive line coming at you full force like seeing where body shapes are seeing different parts of the pitch. Like, I just feel like he's seen it all. Like, yeah, maybe, maybe you're, you're right. So you, you'd, have, you'd probably have spoken to more of these people than me, but I just feel like oh, most of these guys get better with age. Um, 
you know, sometimes they just they get a recurring injury or the desire goes, I think. But uh, for those positions, it's generally, you know, it's, it's the mind is what makes you a great player there, you know, um, because they've just seen everything. It's just, they go, oh, boom, that's it. That's the picture. That's what I do. Provided people are in the right position. And everyone, like, everyone's always in great position for, for Johnny because they expect everything. He's always been brilliant. At, his passing game is just, it's not spoken about enough. It's unbelievable, like how how accurate and how quickly he can deliver passes, no look passes. He always gets it to the person, the right person, you know, in the hole. It's an unbelievable gift to have um, that he's worked on very hard, of course. But I just don't see those things that they've those things have gotten better. Yeah, I, look, you, you might be right. We'll, we'll time will tell. I, on I, that. I think it's biggest. Like he's in a great place. I think his biggest risk factor, and it's what I admire the most about him, and I think he, he thinks I don't like him, I think, because I'm always trying to write him off, but it's not. I'm just trying to be kind of objective about it and look at the big picture. But he came on against Zebra that time for, for Harry Byrne after 20 minutes, and the first thing he did was he hurled himself into a rook against, like I think it was a, the, the tight head scrummaging lock, and he won the collision. Like you're a 36 year old out half playing against Zebra in the RDS. You're going to win by 50 points. What are you doing? Like, you know, you're, you're, you're putting your you're whole November at risk by just this one thing. But he knows that, like, his entire mindset is built on being the guy who does that. It doesn't matter that I'm Johnny Sexton. I'm going to hammer into this rook and win the rook and win the quick ball for the, for the, for the rest of the team. And what that says to the rest of the players is that's my captain. And that, that is the standard that I need to live, live to. Now, We'll be Ireland will be playing a World Cup game against Samoa or someone. He'll try to do that, and this is where the, this is where my alarm bells go: is that he'll try and do that against some Samoan guy and come off the worst for it, and then suddenly he's out of the quarterfinal or or something like that. And that's when you don't have the minutes given to Joey Carberry and all that risk stuff. But like, you can't but admire Sexton. He's a warrior, an absolute warrior. And like to get to 100 caps, considering he only got his first to 24, and considering I mean his durability can despite the fact that everyone thinks he's injury prone and he has had a number of injuries over the years and he's always a doubt coming into an international window. He nearly always pitches up. He plays the vast majority of Ireland's internationals over the last 12 years. And he's, um, it's an incredible achievement and he, and he deserves, I know like the ticket sales are slow and the tickets are very expensive for this window. And I think the RFU have, have gone too high with them. Um, it's a pity that it's not going to sell out for Japan because I think he deserves a full Aviva stadium. Um, I know they've done a few, um, cheaper tickets as the week's gone on to try and try and fill it out and there might be some kids there and that like you know on kind of reduced family deals and stuff and that's great because they'll get to see Johnny Sexton in the flesh and too few people get that opportunity but he deserves a big crowd there on Saturday and a great reception yeah and as you say when he made his debut it was hard to imagine getting to 100 caps given it was he was 24 but it, it's, been, it's been some journey for him uh maybe moving away from Ireland for a minute Luke as some of the other teams of interest going into November one of them is definitely England you know, we're talking about Ireland and maybe being at a, maybe not a crossroads, but you know, kind of seeing where we might go in the next two years. England have, you know, lots of question marks. There's, you know, the Saracens core that Eddie Jones has really relied on to, to power a lot of those Six Nations championship wins, the World Cup final appearance. A lot of them have been cut from the squad. There's a kind of a push towards getting some of those Harlequins guys into the team after their, you know, emphatic premiership victory last year. It's funny, even today, Sam Simmons was cut from the squad ahead of this weekend. I think a lot of people thought he might be involved, given his lines appearance over the summer. And then there was this big article in the Times last week, uh, the London Times, kind of outlining the difficulties some former coaches in the squad have had with him, some former players have had with him, and that kind of management style. So it's a very intriguing period for England. They play Australia and they play South Africa which, you know, are going to be very big chess. They start off with Tonga, maybe a, a nice, easy way to ease into it. But there's a lot of question marks there as well. I think so. Um, you know, particularly after how they finished last year's Six Nations. Um, 
you know, some of the copy out on the relationship, like like Mitchell has a reputation for being fairly um, robust. Is that probably um, in his dealings with uh, with players and, and and just generally pretty tough guy? Um, there, there was a bit, there was an art, there was an article. I think it was, in, was it in the Times, maybe saying a, there was a you know conversation about Mitchell leaving to see his son uh, play cricket. Mm. Uh, I just saw a portion of the article. I was just thinking, geez, I can't believe someone spoke to to, to John Mitchell like that. He has a reputation for kind of doing that himself, maybe. Um, but yeah, things like that. Um, uh, his selection policy has been fairly odd at times. I still think he's he's hanging on to this thing about playing Farrell at twelve which is a big mistake, I think. Uh, I've seen New Zealand are back playing Bowden Barrett in his best position. Now, whether that they keep doing that, I don't know. But they're saying that he's back in great form and Japan might have been brilliant for him. Um, but I think Farrell is, is their best player there. I don't think they're playing him there. I think Ford is probably the second best. I, I think, um, you know, I like him a lot. He's just undersized for international, I think. But he's an excellent rugby player. Um, I'd be worried about bringing in too many of those Harlequin guys. Uh, I think they've, you know, the 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 impact of Saracens going down a couple of leagues and all that kind of uh, the, all the rigmarole around that has been terrible for English rugby. I think they are all brilliant rugby players and they've all taken a massive dip in form. Um, and I'd be worried about just to go back to that Harlequins thing about replacing the Saracens core with the Harlequins guy. Yes, they did win it, but do you really want to be like going down 25, 30 nil? Or 30 points down at half time and coming back all the time. Like, is that a team that's disciplined? Is that a team that's going to be able are you like are you going to be able to do that in international rugby? I don't think so. So are these the guys that you're relying on to dig out of a hole? I don't know. I'd be I'd be concerned enough about what's going on there. It just seems like a, a fractious enough place. You hear lots of you know, some people seem to have great relationships with him, he gets on well with other people have terrible relationships with him. And some of the stuff about getting, you know, getting texts. You know, before there's, you know, before games getting dropped, this kind of weird behavior from 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 a guy as experienced as him and who should be such a great man manager. Um, you know, it seems like things are. I don't know. Are they falling apart? Will is that is that maybe the sense I'm getting a bit? It it seems like it's coming apart at the seams at a very bad well, time for them. To, to be fair, like th- those kind of reports around Jones and you know his dealings with players have been there since the start of his tenure. Really, like he seems to. Have, you know, that's just how he, and even going back some to his days. Some people really get on great with him, though. Will you hear some reports yeah. like, like, uh, I think does Haskell have a brilliant relationship? Haskell's always going on about how great he thinks he was and and how well he got, he, you know, he he treated him and all that kind of stuff. So you do hear all the like con- conflicting reports from different people, which tells me that maybe he thinks he can deal with some people that you know in, in a more harsh way than he does with others, or he has respect for others and doesn't for for other cohorts of the squad. So. Uh, it could be a management style thing, but uh, and maybe he he sees different personalities and he'll treat them different ways. But I don't. I mean, some sometimes you just gotta be consistent, haven't you? Yeah, like Rule, what's your take on that situation? Like uh, Luke touched on a few of the things there between selection dilemmas and you know, the, the, like to be fair, I know Eddie Jones was on BT Sport a few days after the the article came out, and to be fair, he he didn't really. He played it, you know. He played it quite well. He didn't really buy it on any and any of the details that were in it. So I don't think it's gone. It's not a big scandal or anything like that. It was just an interesting article giving an insight into uh, maybe how he how he deals with the team. But what did you make of it all? I thought it was an excellent piece. I thought it was really really well researched by Onslaught. Um, it was quite balanced. I mean, the headlines, the headline things that grab you are all the negative things because they sound terrible. A lot of people came out and said, and the people who actually gave their names largely said. 
that they loved Eddie, you know, that, that it was tough, but they they really respected him and that he was a great coach. And I mean, his record is largely very, very good. There's obviously these horrible dip years that he's kind of ridden out the storm from, but like he, 2018 was one of those. And, and we all remember Twickenham in 2018 where Ireland wiped the floor with England. But a year later, it was England who got, who got to the World Cup final didn't produce on the day, but, you know, produced probably the best performance of that tournament in the semi-final against New Zealand. Um, it, he's a fascinating figure. Like, he's made European rugby so much more interesting by his very presence. His, his, I love covering Ireland England weeks because he always brings something to the table. He makes rugby more interesting. He's obviously a very good coach. I love the way he goes and brings in elements from other codes. He's, he's, he's always innovating. He's always, um, he's always looking at, for an edge. But obviously his man management style and, and the, what he demands of his assistants is, is crazy because they, they did a good you know, visual. I, I love the way they presented the article as well. They had a, a table of all the changes in his backroom team over the years. Like he's lost an assistant pretty much every year. And that's not even... He's been 17 coaches in his backroom team. Since it's incredible. And that's not even to mention the medical staff. The meet, like every time I log in an England press conference, it's a different medical or a different media person. It's it, the turnover in that side. Like he demands from every, every member of his staff such high standards and probably unrealistic standards. Um, but I think the players that haven't, that, 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 that largely, the players he's, he picks love him. And I'd say a lot of the players that are complaining about him are the ones he didn't pick. And that's just the nature of any coach. And I mean, some of the stuff, like as Luke said, texting players before they go out and play for their club to say you're dropping the England squad. I mean, that's just weird mind game stuff that I don't really understand why you would do that, especially with modern players. But He's obviously trying to get an edge or trying to kind of challenge them or see how they react to that stuff. I'm sure their club coaches wouldn't be too happy about it, but um, he's living in some of their heads. But it was fascinating. And yeah, it's a big it's a big year for England. It's a pity they're not playing the All Blacks. I always, like, I'm looking at the fixtures here. Week four of the, the window, France, New Zealand, on Saturday, 20th of November at 8 o'clock. That's the, that's the big game of the window for me, apart from the Ireland games. But it's a pity England aren't playing them because that'll be a game worth watching as well. And just one question on England, you know, Luke says, you know, he, he maybe the Saracens guys were jettisoned a little too quickly and would be reluctant to bring it to some of those Harlequins guys. Like, where would you weigh in on that? Like, you know, someone like Alex Donburn at number eight, Marcus Smith at out half, they present, you know, very different styles to what maybe, you know, on Farrell at 10 would be like, or Billy Bonapola, who's previously been at eight. You know, what what way do you look at that part of it? I mean, Saracens, see, I don't watch as much premiership as, as you might will, um, but like the, the Saracens seem to have hit the ground running this season and, and they don't seem They've like... They've been really good. They beat, and they beat Harlequins at the weekend. Now, I know the, the internationals weren't, yeah. weren't involved, but... I mean, Smith is a really interesting example. I, I would love to see how his club form transmits to international rugby. I hope it works because he's the kind of player that you want to watch. Like, he's so exciting and he's so... Um, I, I don't know, like, you know, he brings youth and exuberance and he brings so much to the table. And, and and it's a lot of what we watch in Test Rugby, to go back to that Lions tour during the summer, is so stuffy and claustrophobic and, and boring. And, you know, scrum resets and, you know, lads taking 20 minutes to tie their lace because they want to have a, have a breed or some big massive lad. Like, where you bring Marcus Smith into the table, suddenly you get, like Finn Russell, brings pace to it, brings ener- energy to it and, and, you know, puts bums on seats eventually. Whether that translates to playing alongside Owen Farrell, I've no idea. You know, I don't know how that's going to work. You know, how he's going to react to having a, a very dominant Johnny Sexton style player from his own position playing alongside him uh, in a very established team. You know, he's going to be inside Farrell and outside Ben Youngs, who have played together so many times. So how does he try and do his own thing in that in that scenario? That's going to be really difficult for a kid that young. Um 
like England's always interesting because there's so many teams. Like in Ireland, like Andy Farrell's basically picking a lot of Leinster players, a couple of Munster players, a smaller number of Ulster players, and one or two Connacht players. You know, he has a kind of cohesion, and and that dynamic hasn't really changed since Joe Schwick came in. It's fairly consistent. Whereas in England, a Harlequins or a Bath or like Leicester are the form team right now, and everyone wants George Ford in there, but he's jettisoned George Ford. So there's like 12 teams and, and, you know, sale are good sometimes. And, and, you know, there's just a lot of change for a head coach to deal with. It's a really different dynamic. But Saracens were always his players. And those lads have been the backbone of that success that he's had. And I'm in, I I find it interesting that he's decided to move away from them. I know he's still got a Toje and Farrell there, but the Vinopolas are pretty important players over the last five or six years. And I don't know, the class is still uh, permanent, isn't it? Like the the... the I, I I I do think you can reward form, and I don't quite agree with Andy Farrell's reason for dropping Jack Carty last week. You know, I do think when someone's playing that well, you go for him. But I'd be very reluctant to ditch your senior players like that. It's it's it it could backfire. Yeah, it certainly sets England up as one of the most fascinating teams to watch. Uh, Luke, is, is there anyone else you're interested to see how they go? Like Rod mentioned the France-New Zealand game towards the end of the window under primetime lights, which is going to be an absolute cracker. You know, you have South Africa coming up north. After, you know, the Lions tour, obviously, over the summer, you know, Australia had a bit of a mini revival, beating them twice towards the end of the rugby championship. You know, any of those teams kind of catching your eye? You're looking forward to seeing how they might go? Yeah, France are always interesting, aren't they? And and I think the general feeling is that they're, uh, you know, more unified. Uh, You know, they fixed some of the... would you say logistical stuff behind the scenes around, you know, being able to keep players and, you know, having them, you know, during Six Nations and during international windows, different things like that. I think that seems to be trending in the right direction. Obviously, Sean Edwards as well. It's a big addition. Does he kind of tighten them up and, you know, do they get away from that kind of looseness that's, that we've always attributed to, to them? Um, you know, we feel like they're a real team to watch, obviously, um, you know, at that World Cup. So, always interested to watch them they're always exciting uh no matter how much they try and anglicize the <laughs> their the, themselves and, and and take away that flair um i think australia are an interesting uh i don't think they have what it takes i think to go all the way at the world cup though i think south africa are probably a more interesting prospect to me just to see if you know what 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 transfers outside of south africa for them that's the big thing with them isn't it i mean it's how they travel they don't always travel great um generally close to the big tournaments they do. But at this point in time, um, they look really, really strong. Some really good characters in there. You know, they look like a settled team, good coaching staff. Um, but will that transfer now to this tour? I, I'm, I'm kind of watching them closely. They were kind of up and down in the, uh, you know, in, in the championship. So I think they're, they're a team definitely to watch. And, you know, I think to, to, uh, at this point in time, I still think they're my favourites for, for the World Cup. Um, but as I said, how they travel is always interesting to watch to me um, because that's for whatever reason for them, that's always a big challenge. Um, so, yeah, that, that's it. I mean, look, I think as much as we're looking abroad, like Ireland, I know we probably talked them to death at this stage, but like I, I really don't know what to expect from, from Ireland at this point, even though there's... You know, I, I just love to see them utilize that pack. That's really what I'm I'm excited about this window. But I want to see Ireland utilize a really mobile pack. I think that's going to be like I'm really excited to see the potential there and to see that if they can actually utilize that. I know they haven't played much together, but that's what I really want to see in the next three games. I don't I, look. I'm interested in the other teams. I love watching New Zealand play. Love watching the Southern Hemisphere teams. But I want to see Ireland utilize. I just feel like it's the most mobile that front row. I mean, those two Lancer hookers, I just hope that, you know, Sheen gets a go at some point in there. But I just think 
it's so exciting, so mobile. I just really want them to go and take it and play a bit more expansive this November. I think it's it's the strength of the team. I don't think playing a really kind of, you know, uh, you know, set piece dominated again. Yes, we can be strong there, but I think there's potential to be a really open and dangerous team. I think there's that's something that I really want to see. If if you're asking me honestly what I'm looking at looking at this this uh this window, Will. Well, that certainly sets it up well over the, for the, over the next month. Luke, Rudd, thanks so much for joining me. That's all we have time for this week on the Left Wing Podcast. We'll be back next week. And in the meantime, you could subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or listen on independent.ie. So until next time, thanks for listening and goodbye. <laughs>